Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Listeners, welcome to the final week of Joe vs. the Minute. I am Jarf, and this week we are talking about minutes 97 to the close of the film. And uh, We? Just you? What's going on here, dude? <laughs> well, we does imply that there (laughs) is more than just me and included in that pronoun is my co-host Tierney. Welcome Tierney. Hello. And that's not all. We have a special guest to help us wrap up this final week. Welcome Sean from the Next Scene podcast. Hi everybody. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. This is so exciting. This is a first for me. Tierney has been here before and the final week of a podcast. But as this is my first Movies by Minute podcast, which is one of the only formats that sort of has a natural end, this is a new experience for me. And I'm glad that I can share it with you, friends. So let's get into the minute. So, (laughs) Sean, I hope you uh, watched more than just this minute, right? (laughs) This would be would very be strange weird. if I hadn't seen the movie and I just watched this one minute and be like, what is going on? I would think this is like some kind of remake of Sleepless in Seattle. How but dare. no, it's not. No, I, I have seen the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> so I know why Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan are floating on luggage in the ocean. That actually sort of segues into something that I wanted to ask too. So this minute starts with Joe coming around to this being good news and it ends with Joe and Patricia settling down cozy like on the luggage raft. But I wondered <laughs> if you were familiar enough with the movie that you remember what they were talking about in the last minute that sort of led into what is what she's convincing them is good news. Or should I set should we set it up a little bit more for you? Um, well, I guess we could say so it's not well, it's potential good news because she's just said, if I remember correctly, that well, you know, that you can get a second opinion on this whole brain cloud thing. Actually, Patricia's blown a conspiracy wide open. In minute 96, because she is the one. And what I love is he says, Dr. Ellison said, and she goes, Dr. Ellison, that's my father's doctor. Oh, Dr. Right, Ellison right, yeah. doesn't have any other patients. And I, I, I told Jarf and our listeners know this already. Sean, I could not tell you the name of my father's doctor if you held a gun to my head at this moment. I have <laughs> no idea. Maybe I know what building he goes to in our hometown. And that's as far as I could possibly get, let alone yes, identifying did- it. <laughs> But does your father have his own private doctor who only has one patient? <laughs> See, the rich are different than you and I, because I also I can't even name my own doctor. So. <laughs> I'd have to check the little card they give you when they write down your appointment. I yeah, so that I would be able to name my father's doctor. No, but then I'm assuming my father does not have, unless there's a fortune out there he's been hiding from me, which is possible, but. I don't believe my do- my father has his own private doctor. And I'm assuming that for for Lloyd Bridges, Dr. Ellison probably comes to him. And that's why Patricia might know his name, because it's not, it's not, oh, dad's going off to the doctor. It's no, dad's doctor is making a house call because he has no other patients. Very old school. Does Dr. Ellison make house calls? Yes, I yes. buy it. Yep. I buy it. But yes, yeah, so that is unusual that she... 
for for most people, let's say, that she would know or instantly recognize the yeah. name of her father's yeah, doctor. Yeah, the instant, and like, uh, they set you up. <laughs> they set you up. But still, I mean, that, he, I don't know. I guess it makes it seem very likely that he doesn't have a brain cloud, but I would still go for a second opinion if they ever make it back to someplace that has doctors. I mean, this movie came out in 1990, so it's not going to end this way. But it should end with (laughs) Joe getting therapy for his PTSD, which led him to become a hypochondriac, which put him on this path in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's the 2020 ending, though. Yes. Well, no, I think the 2020... very early on that Joe needs therapy. He does not need to jump into a volcano. Yes. Well, I think it, it ends it's sort of like the game. So it ends with the trunks washing up on shore and Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack and, and everyone is there waiting. And like this was all a big setup that they never intended him to die in the volcano. This This was the therapy that they thought he needed. Okay, but Sean, why would you hurt me by bringing up that possibility? Because Jarf <laughs> deleted scene time? <laughs> that actually almost happened, only not because it was a therapeutic experience. Just because it was exposition. It was the worst of world. Shanley's <laughs> writing where he felt the need to bring every character back and have them say, hello, this was my purpose in the narrative. Let's just revisit it and tie a little bow on it. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah you, this, you know how I'm Indiana sorry. Jones Minute has the lazy bell? Mm-hmm. This is like the lazy, you know, the bells on buoys that you can hear like out at sea. (laughs) It's that size bell. This is the, this is the Philly Liberty lazy bell. (laughs) Because in the original ending, it isn't that Patricia recognizes the name Dr. Ellison and puts it together, but they had to write that line for her because they got rid of the part where they are floating on the luggage and the Tweedledum sails up with <laughs> Dr. Ellison and Mr. Granamore on board. They bring Patricia and Joe onto the boat. And then Granamore and Ellison explain that it was all <laughs> a setup. And there's no such thing as a brain cloud. And it's all going to be okay as they sail off on the Tweedledum. And then it turns and then it's, it's basically easy money. It's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that ending. So I'm glad they didn't do that. A lot of people don't like this ending. And I kind of just want to grab them by the shoulders and be like, it could be so much worse. (laughs) I like this ending because it, you know, it leaves it open, I presume. And it's, we don't necessarily, and we may be jumping ahead to the next minute, but like we don't see where they end up. But I assume they end up somewhere safe. Or they just live to a very ripe old age on this luggage. This is very sturdy <laughs> luggage. They could they could survive for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this luggage survived the sinking of the Tweedledee. Yeah, it did. And that's why it's such a good plan that he says, wherever we go, we're taking this luggage with oh, us. Oh, yeah. God, that is the best. Like, I know it's not the last line of the movie, but it's such a good last line. And I really like, I didn't, I noticed it rewatching the minute for today. Patricia's reactions are very, I I know Meg Ryan talked about how Patricia was the hardest character because there was less to like latch on to and kind of hide behind. But Patricia has her very own distinct set of mannerisms. And I really like that she goes back to, "Uh uh-huh. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then deal. Like that's her yeah. bit. Like that is romantic Patricia, or she's just like deal and smiles at you, and like that's that's it. You've won. <laughs> You've won yeah. her heart with that. And I love the line: "Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're gonna take this luggage with us." <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they named their firstborn Luggage Salesman? <laughs> Since that was the character's listed name. <laughs> well, what does does the luggage have the name? Have a name like this particular model or brand? Maybe they could name their child after the luggage. <laughs> I love the, it. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know how, how good a name of, of Luggage Salesman is. but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask you what you do for a living. I asked you your name. My name is Luggage Salesman. <laughs> Well, and what if it's a girl? That's, I mean, it's not a great name for a boy, but even worse name for a girl. That's true. Look at sales. You know, speaking of great last lines, a flawed movie, but a great last line is Fever Pitch. When they say, if it's a boy, Ted, William, whatever the character's last name is. And if it's a girl, Carly Yastrzemski, whatever the last name is. They go, <laughs> let's all hope for a boy. <laughs> Oh, Carly Yastrzemski is a great name. I kind of liked that, but I just, I love a pithy, like, let's all hope for a boy. Hope for a boy. (laughs) So you were talking about Meg Ryan's reactions here, Patricia, and I was curious, Sean, just of your response to their dynamic here at the end as a couple. Patricia's talked them off the ledge. He was all ready to go back into full hypochondriac mode. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're that's what they're discussing when she's like, "No, this is a good thing." Once he realized, "Hey, I don't have a brain cloud," then he was starting to snap back into, "Oh, that means I don't know what's wrong with me and my throat is closing up." And she's like, "Focus on the fact that you don't have the terminal disease and see that as as a brain." And so mm-hmm. I really like that they've made this transition from being in separate places with their own separate worries, learning about each other. And now they're at this point where the one can freak out and the other can be the voice of reason. And Mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. it can go both ways. So how do you kind of respond to how it's playing out in this scene? And maybe just your thoughts on Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan overall, Sean. I think they're in a good place. Well, I think the the key back and forth that the the lines from this minute that stood out to me when Joe it's obviously the faux concern. Like he's not as worried as he's letting on the the hypochondria, the worry wart, old Joe is I think gone, hopefully forever, but but gone for now. And you know, he's like, Oh, but still, no land in sight. And, you know, kind of gives her a look. And then she's like, It's always gonna be something with you. And it's it's playful. It's you know, I and I think you know, I think it's obvious. Like he's he's pretending to be worried. He's trying to paint it as, oh, you know, no land in sight. We're really done for. And she's kind of pretending to be upset with him. Like, oh, it's always going to be something. But it's, I mean, she's smart. She, I was going to say smiling, but she's grinning really. Yeah. As she says, oh, it's always going to be something with you. In a way, you say to someone you're really not frustrated or upset with at all in any way. So I, I think they're in a good place that you can, you know, the, the, in, a, in a playful place that they're comfortable enough that they can be playful. And, you know, she can read him like if he was really worried about their situation, about there being no land in sight, she wouldn't be laughing and 
you know, so blasé about his concern. It's that she knows him enough to know he's not really worried. I think at this point, they're they're happy to be alone, you know, kind of enjoy each other's company without any interruption. So they're kind of, they're not necessarily worried about sighting land or any yachts at this point. So. Yeah, because as you point out, she's like almost laughing at that point. And when he first says, still, I don't know, you see the concern, the genuine concern on her face of like, what, what, what yeah. is it now? And then as soon as he says it, she's like, oh, you, you're joking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're teasing me. (laughs) Though I I do wonder, and there's been, as you get Mm -hmm. when you cover a movie with Tierney, you get a lot of camp talk. (laughs) (laughs) So much. (laughs) Is this sort of like a summer romance? You know, is this when you, you know, camp, you're separated from your usual social group, your usual friends, you can kind of reinvent yourself or become a different person. And relationships can can form very quickly and become very intense. But sometimes those things that burn hot burn quickly and they burn out. And these, you know, the summer love doesn't always last. So they've, they're obviously getting along. They've made a connection at this point. But it's this, it's, it's come about very quickly. And it's this shared experience of, well, they were, you know, on a, on a sinking ship together. And then he saved her. And then she had to save him. And then the whole volcano thing. Like it's been a very intense, but short period. Are they, you know, when, when they make it to wherever they make it and. You know, things slow down a little bit and the the adrenaline wears off. Is this, are they really, is this a relationship that's built to last? I wonder. That is a really good question. It's the whole, the whole speed dilemma, right? Like there is Mm -hmm. a reason why Sandra Bullock isn't with Keanu Reeves in Speed 2 Cruise Control. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's where we're going with it. That's song. where we're going. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Well, because I just because I, I like I I I know people that are with their high school sweetheart that are with the person you know couples that met in high school or you know in in school and twenty thirty years later they're still together and I I know this is not a really representative sample I don't know that many people but I know pe- I know people with their high school sweetheart still. Decades later, I don't know anyone who's with their summer camp sweetheart. You know any of those summer camp romances that have lasted decades? I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm just saying now. I think because this is, you know, this is not just an ordinary couple. This is, you know, Joe and Patricia. I think they're gonna. I think they lasted. I think they're, you know, they're in it for the long haul. They're gonna stick together at least until the brain cloud thing flares up again. <laughs> I think they last because if you think about where Patricia was when we met her, she was looking to change her life, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't quite sure how to do it. And still, you know, her, her dad knew her price, knew what she wanted. So she was still doing it. And I think someone like Joe, because you're right, they get to land and they are very different people. However, I think this little back and forth, I think their dynamics since the volcano scene is... A sign that they are good together. They're a good Mm -hmm. couple. Like, they're good at kind of looking out after each other, but still being individuals, but caring about each other, which I think is kind of what you need for the long haul. And I think someone so different, someone starting with a completely blank slate in life is going to be perfect for her to say, all right, what do we want to do? Let's go do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Patricia opens his eyes to an optimistic outlook. 
that it, that he has this tendency towards anxiety, depression, and pessimism. And so even when things are going good, it's, he struggles to see the possible positive outcome. Yeah, the so, silver lining. And that's why when they were just treading water, he's like, well, we're in the middle of the ocean. What are we going to do? And she says, I don't know, but somehow we're going to make it. And then next thing, the luggage bobs out of the water. He's like, how did you do that? <laughs> so I don't think that when he says, well, there's still this one thing. We're on a raft. There's no land. I don't think that he's joking, as you say, but I do think that you're right that he's not full on scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think he just, he's not ready to accept that she has this outlook of, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna jump and we're gonna see, we're gonna try it and somehow it'll work out. But he does, he loves her. And so mm -hmm. he, he mm -hmm. can be convinced. He just has to say, you know, I, you're really saying that we're going to be okay? Because I don't know. Look at the situation. And then, <laughs> yeah. but she's just able to, to give that knowing smile and like, come on, you, yeah. like, this is us. It is yeah. going to work out. And she hasn't always been that way. I, when we first meet her, she's very cynical and jaded and just wants this yacht She's doing this thing. And so she's, she's come along, you know, she's, she's grown and she's changed. And I think they can kind of help each other out that if, you know, if, if Joe slides back into his, his darkness and his kind of hypochondria, she can help bring him back. And if she, if she slides back into her cynicism, he can help her. Yeah. You know, they, they both have a bit of a past you know, of a, of a darkness that they've needed to leave behind and grow out of. So they can they can help each other in that way. It's not that Patricia's always been smiles and sunshine and able to be that to Joe. You know, sometimes he'll have to be that for her. Mm, I love it so much. <laughs> it is beautiful. And those lanterns, that's... I guess they're maybe not waterproof, but <laughs> water resistant or they, they work even magic. <laughs> when wet. Yeah. Now, how did they light the lantern, though? Well, I think they're electric, we determined. Yeah. Oh, is it? A, they're there electric. There's definitely a light bulb in there. Okay. I don't know if there's meant to be, like, story-wise, but there's definitely a light bulb in there. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'd kind of assumed it was, you know, like... Uh, I don't know, like a little propane tank or some kind of yeah. lantern oil or something. But yeah, I guess you know. But it's a higher end thing. I guess electric makes sense. I just want to go get my big old Coleman lantern now. <laughs> it's not as classy. You use one. for it's camping, plastic, right, Tierney? Still. Your camping lantern. The smaller ones they have where you can push it down and it's a flashlight, and then you pull up the top and the um, the tube, it, so it works like a lantern. Those mm -hmm. are pretty cool. I love those. Check those out. <laughs> <laughs> so sean maybe you can save us from another camp story by just talking about your experience with the movie overall if maybe you remember the first time you saw it and anything that's not camp <laughs> i'm just kidding dirty you love it and you know it <laughs> yeah i'm i'm no good at this part of the podcast because i don't remember when i see anything i'm pretty sure i didn't see this in the theater so probably would have been when it came to cable or maybe maybe a, a rental on tape. It would have been not again not in the theater, but maybe soon after, as soon as it was on home video. I think I did see it ninety or ninety one, and it's one of those things I appreciate lot a lot more 
I'm not a big, oh, I was never a big Tom Hanks or a Meg Ryan fan. And you put them together. I'm like, eh, not necessarily my cup of tea. And then as you know, it is a, it, it's mostly not. But then at this point, I mean, this minute, it turns into a kissing movie, which I was not a big fan of um, <laughs> when I was younger. And yeah. Not necessarily my favorite genre even now, but the you know the the fairy tale and the other aspects. And I hadn't seen this. I did rewatch it uh, when you started off the podcast, so I could you know kind of keep up with the discussion. And I mean, it may have been twenty years mm-hmm. since I've seen it before that, and kind of my my appreciation for different genres and different different techniques in filmmaking has grown. So I certainly appreciate it a lot more than I did then. So thank you for inspiring me to watch it. I think without the podcast, I don't know. I may have gone the rest of my life without seeing this film again. And what a loss that would have been. Nice. Tyranny, we did it again. Yeah. That's basically our our mission with the podcast is to either introduce folks to this movie for the first time, as was the case for a few of our guests, or more often- Remind them it exists. (laughs) (laughs) To reintroduce it to folks. I mean, I think that there was a gap of a couple of decades in between when I had last seen this movie. It's just one of those movies where you're just saying, oh, I love that movie, but you don't necessarily. It's not a movie that I've watched every year since Mm -hmm. 1990, for sure. But yeah, I'm glad that you revisited it. Thanks for listening. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it with fresh (laughs) eyes. Yeah, thank you. Mission accomplished. If your mission was to get me to watch a movie, you succeeded. (laughs) Yay! And I enjoyed it. I didn't just watch it. I enjoyed it. Sean has gotten me to watch many movies over the years of (laughs) podcasting. (laughs) And I hope you've enjoyed those as well. Yes, I have. You let me watch Scrooged. Well, you gave me an excuse to watch Scrooged, which has Karen Allen in it. And then you let me come on your podcast and essentially talk about how much I loved Karen Allen for like an hour and a half. (laughs) It's a good time. Actually, listeners, when Tyranny and I agreed to do this podcast, she sent me a a meme of Karen Allen saying, I'm your goddamn partner. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just a little behind the scenes history for you. So would Karen Allen make a better Dee Dee Angelica Patricia in this film? And is she better suited to one of those three more than the others? I don't know about better. That feels very disingenuous. Mm -hmm. In minute 97, loving Meg Ryan (laughs) and the amazing job she has done as we do. But I do think Karen Allen could have done it. I have trouble picturing her as Angelica. Yeah. But I can definitely see her pulling off Patricia and Dee Dee. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see her as Patricia. Definitely Patricia. Yeah, Dee Dee is very easy to picture. I think Angelica would be fun. Just because it's so hard to picture and so against type for the other things that mm-hmm. we think of when we think of Karen Allen. Hmm. Karen Allen's freckles, but crying and reciting bad poetry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring up the poetry again. Um. <laughs> and Harrison Ford is Joe. See, Har- and this, that doesn't work. Joe has to be Tom Hanks. But I think Karen Allen could do a, a Patricia D.D. and maybe Angelica. Yeah, I can't see Harrison Ford pulling off the quitting speech. No. I could see him pulling off other aspects of Joe, but that, no. Well, I think when the thing that really locks it for me personally is after the yacht sinks, 
when Patricia is still unconscious and it's basically Joe alone on the trunks and he's dancing. Yeah. I don't know any other actor that can pull off that scene as well as Tom Hanks. <laughs> Just dancing with abandon. Yeah. Just dancing like no one can see. <laughs> he dances like no one is watching and they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> and they aren't. And it's a good thing that they're not because he is not. Well, I don't know if, if Tom Hanks is not a good dancer. I know he can certainly act like not a good dancer. <laughs> but I agree about the quitting scene tyranny because mm-hmm. if you picture Harrison Ford manhandling Dan Hadaya, it goes too far into the realm of actual menace just because mm-hmm. he's more physically intimidating and he's more of a guy's guy and it w- I think that scene would be more scary like oh he's really lost it kind of thing so yeah no one no one's physically intimidated by tom hanks i'm gonna mute my mic again because my dog is walking around <laughs> in the damn <laughs> office <laughs> no, welcome now, jack bow wow listeners jack bow wow is back uh mark hamill as joe banks Ooh. i'm i'm running through the movie in my mind i'm not coming up with any scene that doesn't feel right with mark hamill in that role Particularly if you've seen Corvette Summer, if you've seen a young Mark Hamill do something other than Star Wars and Luke Skywalker, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. There you go. And if there had been a movie with Karen Allen and Mark Hamill as love interests, Pete Mummert's fever dream brain would just explode. (laughs) So. (laughs) So wait. So Karen Allen as the sisters, Mark Hamill as Joe- then Harrison Ford so as Graynamore. <laughs> as <laughs> Harrison Ford as Graynamore. Hmm. I mean, I haven't checked, but just going by, you know, the, the Star Wars films, he's I mean, they're all old now, but he's gotta be older than than Hamill. He's older than Hamill, but there's this childlike whimsy to Graynamore that I yeah. d- I don't yeah. know. All right, we All right. have got to get <laughs> Hold to Wednesday's up. episode because we have a surprise guest who's going to be furious that he missed this conversation. <laughs> Are you ready to have your mind blown? Okay. Billy D. Williams as the luggage salesman. <gasps> <gasps> Billy D. Williams is everyone. <laughs> no, all right, luggage salesman Billy D. Williams. No, Harrison Ford as Marshall. Hmm. I think I like Greenamore better. Harrison Ford dispensing wisdom lovingly but gruffly? Maybe. All right, fine. And And then he could have talked to about how great Carrie Fisher was. Well, if it was 2020 Harrison Ford and 1990 Mark Hamill, then I think it does work. The reason that it doesn't work for me is because they're too close. The the Marshall just has to be like an old sage wisdom character. So wait, so then when they get to the island, they're Ewoks? Is that what we're saying? (laughs) Ewoks have already been invoked with this island, so I think yes. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. We were plugging podcasts, and we got very distracted. (laughs) As we do. So yeah, the next scene podcast is around. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Quick announcement before Sean tells us about the next scene. I mentioned that this is the last week for Joe versus the Minute, but 
we have a special announcement for you on Friday's episode. So stay tuned because we may have some future plans that involve this feed. Ooh. And now I'll throw it to you, Sean. All right. Well, so if you'd like to hear more of me talking about movies and other stuff, I have a podcast called The Next Scene, and that's at nextscenepod.com, where myself and my brother Brian, uh, we talk about, well, one scene. We, you know, One scene from a film, or it could be from a TV show, or one song, or one chapter from a book, just any kind of pop culture thing. We do one scene, and then for the next episode, it's on to The Next Scene. And you can find that. Uh, we're at the Apple Podcast and Google Play and all the other places where you find podcasts and at nextscenepod.com. Nice. Well, thank you, Sean, for joining us and sharing your thoughts. And we will be back on Wednesday with the next scene of Joe versus the Volcano. So where to now, Tierney? I think I'll just let Tom Hanks say it. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.